Red Cloaks Radio is a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio, joined by my co-host today. Hey, Laura. Hi, I'm Laura from the Boston Red Cloaks. And Karen. Hi, I'm Karen with Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, everybody. Hi, Vivian. Good to see you again. Hi, everyone. <laughs> We're delighted to welcome back Vivian Birchall, who is uh, running for state legislature. She's running for representative in the 14th Middlesex. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, thanks for inviting me back. It's an honor and uh, I'm excited to speak with you ladies again. You know, when we last talked to you, you were describing some of your professional experience um, before you got to Massachusetts. I was listening to you and I was thinking, this woman is a lot of amazing experiences. Like you have really helped build coalitions across a country, across a continent. Mm -hmm. And then to imagine what would it look like to have someone with that experience at the state house, trying mm -hmm. to build coalitions across the Commonwealth. I've, I've, We've never interviewed a candidate for any office who's had that particular set of international experiences. Um, I took notes on what you were saying. <laughs> and what you talked about was um, you, you were in Uganda and that working to solve some of the bigger problems across Africa, the entire continent, there were these different strategies for building really broad coalitions. Um, the new partnership for African development and the African peer review mechanism. And what that led to was realizing how important governance was. And you had talked about people identifying gaps in services to make sure that everyone had what they needed and then setting priorities and then identifying implementers who would be able to implement that. And I just sat there thinking, wow, imagine if Massachusetts did something to identify the gaps and set priorities and then identify implementers. And what I what I was thinking and like your perspective is, you know, we've got a Republican governor right now in, in Charlie Baker, who during the pandemic has come under quite a bit of scrutiny for not doing that, um, for not really identifying the gaps and for not working with like hands-on level people to like get masks out, get the vaccines out. Now it's over a year into the pandemic that has cost many, many lives, but especially we've seen huge injustice around people who had less money and around race. So, you know, Chelsea and different communities that have a higher proportion of black people than white people have fared much worse during the pandemic. And it's a broad topic, but I cannot, overlook the fact that we're thinking about you're having been a leader in a place where there are way more black people and that we're in a state where there's fewer black people and black people really get the short end of everything in Massachusetts. Um, and I want to be open about it and, and talk about the racial injustice because it's very visible. There's not a lot of representation of women or women of color in the state house. I'd like to, to talk about that openly if we can. Absolutely, uh, you raise an important uh, an important issue. I'll just just piggyback on your intro about healthcare access during the pandemic or the inequity of it. Um, it one of the things that was a red flag for me during the pandemic was something that I personally experienced. There was because of the pandemic, there was a triage that many hospitals and healthcare centers developed just to checklist to make sure someone doesn't have symptoms for COVID-19. And so one time I needed uh, to see a doctor. It, it wasn't COVID related, but because we were in a pandemic, it, it, you know, it was the obligation to go through the triage. Are you, do you have this symptom and that? And one of the symptoms the nurse asked me was whether I had a red rash on my skin. 
And so <laughs> I I paused and smiled and she noticed that I, I hadn't answered and looked at me and she I said, ma'am, I can never have a red rash on my skin. It's too dark <laughs> to have a red rash. And but I said it with compassion because I realized she didn't it was it didn't come automatically to her that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this was a nice Caucasian nurse and she was offering a lovely service. So, and then I said, I, I went ahead and joked that the only red thing I can have maybe is blood or, or a paint. <laughs> and then, but then, and then I may, you know, downplayed it at the moment and we went, you know, had my, uh, visit and went back home but when i it bothered me when i gone home uh, i went ahead and uh, googled uh, the cdc website for some of the symptoms for uh, emergency if somebody needs an emergency attention from covid-19 and indeed there were there was the red rash and then there were bluish purple leaps and i said i looked around to make sure that uh, you know, I asked myself, where, what is, what does this look like on lips like mine? Because I can never have bluish purple lips on, on my lips. So unless, of course, it's my uh, lipstick. <laughs> right. But uh, so I'm, I, I try to think of all the people who were, who had died, who were black. And it might not have a correlation, but I, I started asking myself, how many of these could have died because people didn't realize the emergency signs? Because right. again, CDC does not give us the option of knowing what that looks like on a skin that is not white. Right. So this is just one example of uh, the racial inequities that we sometimes don't even realize that are exist. And we don't realize that they cause harm to a person, to, to dark and black and brown people. Imagine how much diagnosis happens because people don't know how things present on a dark skin. Right. So, uh, and then, uh, which takes me to, you know, their education system. How is medical education designed? And how can we as legislators, uh, you know, support, um, very intentional education that will bridge these gaps. I created a, a show called Healthcare Blind Spots just because of the awareness of these disparities that oftentimes people do not realize exist. And this is what I, you know, the, the summary of that show was what happens when when people get into a healthcare system that is not designed for them mm -hmm. uh, because of maybe it, the education material did not have uh, black and brown people. But uh, this is, I gave the example of, um, of healthcare, but racial injustice manifests or presents itself in different ways, in education, in uh, employment, in housing, in the way in immigration, how the immigrants are treated if you're darker than the lighter one. So it is exhausting to be black sometimes. It is exhausting to be black or brown. It is exhausting to have an accent. It is exhausting to prove that you can do something because 
the, by the nature of how you look, people think you don't have qualifications. So they, the assumptions are made before you're even given an opportunity to introduce yourself. Well, in this role of education that you've talked about and how you've educated others or built up networks to educate people, the other thing you said in our first discussion was about what it means when you want to make a change, but the change has to be made by people who are in power who don't include everybody. So if you have a predominantly a healthcare system that's designed based on white male bodies, basically, then female bodies are not understood. And anybody that is not a Caucasian person is not understood. Plus racism, where many people still think that people who are black, brown, and white experience pain differently. Like they actually think it, it's not true, but that's what they think. So when you talk about education in terms of policymaking, would you, if elected, how would you see your role in educating your constituents, not just your colleagues, but how would you as an elected person communicate with people that you represent? The best way that I know how, storytelling through yeah. media. Because- Karen, you see Karen <laughs> over there, go ahead, Karen. <laughs> You're such a good storyteller too, Vivian. Karen really, really she are. agrees. Yes, right. <laughs> so I recently graduated in media and medicine at Harvard Medical School. It's a postgraduate program uh, just to, uh, and I went there just to learn how to best tell stories that can help influence policy, that can help uh, raise awareness, that can help advocate for the, pe for the people who are marginalized in our healthcare system, but also in our, in our community as a whole. So I am thankful for that opportunity uh, that I got to learn how to, you know, to get that extra training. But then it just, it was complementary to the way I was brought up as an African child. Mm -hmm. um, storytelling was the best way to teach. It was the best way to communicate. We told stories over around fires. We told stories around, you know, in our households. And I was, um, my childhood was uh, in a slum. So we telling stories outdoors in the, you know, to each other was a great way for entertainment, but also for learning. And even when we went to the up country to my grandparents' home. So it, the impact of telling that story is immense. And if we as legislators can understand the stories of the needs of our constituents and be able to tell them effectively and create to our peers in the state house and also to each other so that we can mobilize efforts to fix our problems, then we will really advance in our progressive uh, ideas and strategies. And they will be influenced by real life experiences and not just talking points, because it's through understanding the individual stories that we can come together, we can build the collective strategies. When my experience has been, when people tell each other their stories, they don't feel so isolated, they don't feel removed they find comfort and they look around and they see who are these people telling these stories and they realize that the world is bigger than them 
and then they feel a huge sense of power. But better than that, advocacy, advocacy and change is inspired by storytelling. And I have to think that was a big part of your upbringing and all six of you, all six children went to college. That's remarkable. Absolutely Raised by remarkable. a single mother. Yes, yes, who was not always well. And I, you know, I have to think that those stories guided them, all of you, delighted you, and raised your consciousness and, and, and interest. And now look at you. Look at you <laughs> right now. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, I just wanted to add that when we, tell, when we say storytelling, the word storytelling, some people might misunderstand it to mean, oh, we're just playing around, you know. Uh, the, but storytelling is just a way of communication, you know. And as, as a legislator, I would use that technique. And this is what, again, I bring to oh, my candidates. When we bring this div diversity into the state house, then we have all these unique ways of approaching problems, approaching our challenges as a state. And we become stronger, more effective, and more inclusive and more powerful as a state. Well, and that seems irresistible, but the reality is that there are people who don't have that as their interest. So I think when voters are deciding who to vote for, they have to really decide, do you wanna vote for someone who's talking about identifying the gaps so that everyone has what they need? Because there are people who vote who really are more concerned with preserving their personal power or their personal wealth. It's a real contrast, right? I mean, it's, that's how we got where we are. That is true. <laughs> but one thing that, uh... I would like our voters out there to understand is that when we vote for, we, when we select our candidate who cares about our community, about people who are living in our community, then they work for everyone and not just uh, those with gaps. So here's how I try to explain it. If we find candidates who will identify those who have not been represented for a long time, then all they are doing is still supporting those who are being represented, but also bringing those who have been left behind and then completing the picture. And that is what my candidates represents. And that is what I will be, a representative for everyone. So if people wanna find out more, can you just tell us where to find your website or if there's other ways they can get involved? So thank you again. My website is vivianvirtual.com. That is V-I-V-I-A-N-B-I-R-C-H-A-L-L.com. And uh, I'm excited uh, to run for office and just to be a representative of this amazing community with beautiful open space, uh, fighting together to combat climate change, to, pro to protect women. We cannot go back to the olden days. To provide healthcare for everyone, to, um, to be a champion for humanity. Just uh, when I walked away from your speech um, at the rally in Acton, I was so energized by not only your stories, but the way you, you know, told things and, and the issues, the actual issues that you brought up. And I wonder, like, 
are you speaking anywhere soon? <laughs> you know, like, well, how can people see you? Because I think when, when they see and hear you, they, they will, the fire will be lit. Uh, thank you so much for asking that. One thing we were all waiting for was the redistricting and uh, to just get a clarity on what our districts are going to be like. And because now we are a step closer to the final districts, uh, we're going to be uh, having a list of events. And this is where if you know of any groups that um, are hosting events, please let me know. I'm happy to be there. To, to talk about um, what, what, I, what my candidacy is all about, uh, to talk about women's, why we need to fight for healthcare rights, for reproductive rights. Um, and so, yes, uh, just you can email me, vivianvirtual2022 at gmail.com. And I will be there. I want to listen to everyone. I want to speak to everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks. It was great. I learned so much. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Vivian. You've been listening to Red Cloaks Radio, a production of the Boston Red Cloaks. Find us at bostonredcloaks.com 